0: You may feel that the world is pure chaos and that the problems we have are too complex to solve. But today's guest challenges us to rethink our approach to this volatile, uncertain, changing, ambiguous world by reframing knowledge management. And part of that reframe requires social learning. Hi lab mates, welcome to the Social Learning Lab, a podcast about social learning at work. Today, we're going to talk a lot about knowledge, which is what many of us are trying to acquire by learning. And I'd venture to say you'll leave feeling a little lighter and more hopeful. It is our distinct honor and pleasure to introduce you to today's guest, Dr. Layla Maruf. Layla's new book, Knowledge Mindfulness The Interconnections That Help Leaders Transform Their Business and Life, was just released by Forbes this October. And I have to say, it's such a refreshingly human take on the ways of rethinking knowledge management and knowledge sharing, and I can't wait to talk more about it. Uh, Layla's work is driven by her diverse lived academic and professional experiences and founded in broad interdisciplinary research. She grew up dreaming of a career in medicine, went on to study computer science, then veered in a new direction, gaining a PhD in information science with a focus on knowledge management. This led to a long and successful career as a professor, researcher, consultant, and academic leader. In fact, she spent two decades studying, teaching, researching, and consulting in knowledge management, knowledge sharing, knowledge behavior, and publishing over 35 peer-reviewed articles. That is quite a feat. Today, Layla is the chief knowledge officer and founder of the Knowledge Mindfulness Group a pioneering organization dedicated to evolving and elevating leaders' knowledge mindfulness using the groundbreaking integrative methodology of knowledge mindfulness framework. So thank you so much, Layla, for being here with us today. We are really excited to get to learn from you, and uh, it is a true pleasure for all of us listening. Thank you, Nicole, for having me. It's
1: a pleasure really to be joining you in this great podcast. I've listened to a couple of your episodes and I'm so excited to be part of this. Thank you.
0: Yeah, yeah. So let's dive right in because, you know, we think about social learning. We're thinking about this transfer of knowledge all the time. And so, you know, reading your book and getting to talk to you, I just saw so many ways that this needed to be said. All of the things you are saying in your book are things that we need to be hearing listening putting into practice in our lives so could you just start by telling everyone a little bit more about knowledge mindfulness sure
1: I think knowledge mindfulness is a coined concept that really I thought about stretching reframing knowledge management reframing knowledge how we look at knowledge so it really came from that perspective and again it's a practical framework too so that's the nice thing about it. It's not an abstract concept. no, it's a practical framework that really means wake-up leaders, <laughs> be <laughs> consciously aware of the totality of your knowledge and the need to keep evolving that knowledge. Why? Because we are living in what I call in the book a vodka world, a very volatile, uncertain, changeable. And I think we all experience that firsthand. Why? Because again, we kind of are thriving for what I call a holistic success. And that's more like the the mix of the tangible and the intangible success. Because usually we kind of focus on one and not the other. And in this book, it's all about the integration. It's all about that integrative approach of how we look at things, especially how we look at knowledge. And that's where the totality of our knowledge came from.
0: See, so um, can you tell me just a little bit about that totality of knowledge? What does that mean to you?
1: Okay, I think for twenty years, between my PhD studies, between my teachings, my whole focus in my life, in my learnings, was all about learning from what I call the external knowledge. What I mean by that is the knowledge of others. So. For instance, this podcast is an external knowledge. The books, the conversations, the databases, everything that is not tacit inside us is what we call external knowledge. And all our focus was, you know, like externally most of the time. But then I realized that a big part of this is really what comes from within our internal world, our internal knowledge, what I call our internal self-knowledge. And I think knowledge mindfulness kind of, you know, shed some light on that area where I think it was mentioned in many books about, you know, insights, values, things like that, but with no mention of a practical framework of how do you do this. How do you mix this? How does it make sense even to integrate these two parts together to emerge what I call it because it's an emergent uh, substance or energy or cognition or whatever you want to call it that really feeds back to your self-maturity and your impact and leadings and everything in the world. So that's where the totality of knowledge comes internally, and externally, and how they're integrated together to help you behave in a certain way, communicate in a certain way, take decisions in a certain way, which I believe, in my perspective, in the knowledge mindfulness framework, that the capabilities, the impact is huge. It is more than the sum of the parts. And that's where I think the magic happens. With that integration, what you get out of that is just incredible.
0: It's definitely a, a more holistic way of thinking about knowledge. And so maybe this is just a good moment to pause and say, this is different than knowledge management as we think about it now, right? You are saying um, the external versus the internal. Can we just really pause there and restate it? Because I, I think people need to hear this and maybe they don't understand it on first first take, right? So, there there is a difference between knowledge mindfulness and knowledge management how would you describe that leila i think the
1: most apparent and very distinguished (laughs) you know difference is the word management if you look at the two terms you see knowledge management so the whole focus in the processes in the rules, structures everything is externally because it's managing knowledge right so that is, I think, where I had that, let's say, uh, not discomfort, but a big question mark. Can we really manage knowledge out there? So what I mean by that is the word management dicti- I don't know, it just gives me that feeling of control, of dictating something, external rules, external guidelines, external everything. And then I thought, knowledge is so, so personal. Right, It comes from you and you're the one who really owns all of that. You're the one who absorbs everything. You're the one who applies everything as a person. So really, is it management or do we call it something else? If you're talking in an organizational setting, can you really manage people's knowledge? Or do you attend to people's knowledge? Do you encourage people to share knowledge? Do you uh, create an environment where you can nurture and you can uh, coach and you can even have that energy, that presence where you invite people into that uh, nurturing culture that really helps people to give more and to share more. And that's where I think the biggest, biggest, you know, discomfort that I was feeling And I put that word mindfulness because of that. It's about both being aware, being consciously aware of the totality of our knowledge and also preparing kind of our environment, internal environment, to pay attention inwards. When I say pay attention and be aware of your self-knowledge because I don't think we were ever taught how to do that. Even if we were, it was so fragmented, Nicole, so fragmented. Like there's a big focus, for instance, maybe on our physiology, right? So everyone talks about health, well-being, but when they say that, they're talking either about your physical well-being, and then they shift it to your mental well-being, right? So they talk about your psychology, you know, uh, the space where you need to meditate, you need to calm down, you need... De- but what I saw, there's also a big part where, in the book, I talk about the parapsychology. And that's where the core human values, that foundation, that anchor, that we never really kind of paid attention so much you know, to when we talked about mindfulness, when we talk about going in, when we talk about knowing about ourselves. So I thought that this is a very important um, pieces that needs to be put together in a way that can help you kind of see the whole but see also the parts that, you know, make that whole. So that's where that holistic kind of approach to uh, knowledge mindfulness came from. So the main, main, I think, difference is that I, I think I attend to knowledge, like I said, in terms of leading and not managing And there's a big difference between leading and managing. And that's the biggest difference when you look at knowledge management. Because I think most of the efforts, most of the activities that goes on really addresses more the products of knowledge, the information that's out there. But we want to talk about the essence of knowledge. If we really want to attend to that, I think that's going to be very difficult to manage people's knowledge, you just trigger, you nudge, but you can't really manage. In other words,
0: yeah. I also just think about this is not quite in the book, but you know, you talk about knowledge management, and then I, I, we had another guest talking about memory, and and so like even the knowledge you have isn't always accessible to you in that moment. So being mindful of what you have access to is, I, it's a really wonderful way to think about it. And leadership, right? I mean, I think there's a huge call right now for, we need better leaders, we need better leaders, maybe this is always, but the subtext you're saying is attending and leading versus boxing and managing, and so it just seems very much something we need right now in this, the whole world is changing, right, we, we know that. You know,
1: I think, Nicole, when you say we need better leaders, for me, I look at it again with a lens of the totality of our knowledge, I look externally at the problems we're having now in the world, these complex problems, really, right? And you see, for instance, that, you know, some leaders, they focus, let's say, on climate change as a problem, as a very complex problem, or some other people focusing on the political or this. What I see is what is really the common dominator. How do you connect between all that? And what I see is exactly what you said. We have a lack, we have a problem, a crisis in leadership. But what I see from the knowledge lens is we have a problem in the knowledge maturity of leaders. And what I mean by that is the quality of their knowledge. What we also mean by that is the complexity Of their understanding how the breadth and depth of their understanding why I think there's a problem because the problems we're seeing is just becoming worse and worse in the world and I think because they're so complex and if you're trying to solve these problems with the mindset and the knowledge maturity of before which doesn't work anymore that's why we're stuck we're just stuck And that's why we talk about lack of leadership, but what we're really, really talking about is lack of higher
0: knowledge maturity, in my opinion. So that takes me to the question I really wanted to ask next. Um, How can we develop knowledge maturity? And so that's a little bit vague. I mean, you could take that to mean as a culturally, or you could take it to mean individual? Um, However you'd like to take that one, Leila.
1: Actually, in knowledge mindfulness, I truly kind of put the ball in the individual's court, where I think every one of us should take responsibility for working on evolving their knowledge maturity. When I talk about leadership, it doesn't have to be someone with a title. I really mean someone who really needs to lead their life, and I tell you why because we live in kind of a transitional period in the world right now where whatever we used to do is not working and we're not there yet. So we are in this transitional period where every one of us needs to take responsibility in working on his own knowledge maturity. How does he evolve his knowledge maturity? And that is going to help not individuals only, it's gonna help individuals, it's gonna help the organization, the ecosystem, the community, the society. Till we are there somehow, till we have that blue book that is working, which we don't. So that's where I think Every one of us needs to work on evolving his knowledge maturity. And I know your next question would be how? Where do we start? What do I do? do And today's Monday, so what do we do on a Monday? That's what we always say, right? Absolutely. So it really starts very simple. It starts, I have this process that I call the three C's loop. And I'll tell you why I did it this way, even. So the three C's loop starts with learning or creating for the purpose of, or the learning is for the purpose of creating. So we've always knew the importance of learning and we learn to generate knowledge, right? But for many, many years, we went to schools, universities with the purpose of equipping ourselves with the skills that will help us in our first job, to find our first job in many ways, right? But now the purpose, the why of learning needs to change. So the learning now should be for creativity, to come up with solutions, to come up with uh, products, services that are not there right now. And that's the whole thing because we are in a bucket world, right? So we don't have answers. There are things that are changing. There are so many things that are different. So what do we do? We need to have the competencies to come up with creative ideas, to come up with creative services, some things that, you know, they're not out there. But that's the difference in the knowledge mindfulness framework. I say create yet keep renewing. That's C1. C2 connect yet keep disconnecting. C3 capitalize, yet keep acting. And these three go together, they're connected. And this is where the knowledge flow really, really, really eases, like a river, in a way to flourish you as an individual, the organization, and your impact out there. But again, why? You're going to ask me, why did you do it this way? And I think because The realization that the complexity of today's world needs a more complex way of understanding the world. And to do that, we need to see the opposites as a whole. And that was the problem, I think, in science, in our learnings for a long, long time. What happens is we always focus on one thing and not the other. So what happened is we went deep into specializations, we went deep into, you know, and that's a great way of learning. I have nothing against it, but it is time to recognize both. We are zooming in on the parts to understand and to see, but we need to zoom out on the whole and to see these two parts as allies, as working together to move us forward. So we don't neglect any part. And we understand that the most important thing is when do we use this part and when do you use that part? The timing. And that timing comes from your sense making of what's going on out there and what's going on in there. So that's the the fun part, I call it, because honestly, that was a realization for me, Nicole. That I never, what I mean by that, I've always kind of, like I said, depended on books, conversations, everything that's coming out there. And what I mean by that, what I call it now is borrowed knowledge. So I take everything and I use it like, oh, okay, this is great. But now, no, I do take it. I do, you know, try to interpret it, digest it. But then I ask myself the hard questions, does this work for me? Is this aligned with what I'm feeling? Is this really doing me right? So all these hard questions, that reflection, what it helps in is really, do I weed what's coming in? Do I take something out? Do I weed what I have learned? Maybe in the last 20 years, 30 years, what I learned from my parents, what I learned from my culture, That is the renewing part. And that's what's so important. It's not just bringing in, it's also digesting it and making it your own. And when I say that, you need to apply it and validate it and test it. But you don't only test it out there. You need to align it with what works for you internally. And this is where that renewal part. And the same thing with connecting and yet disconnecting because again you know you talk, you hear every day about the importance of collaboration working together you know you're talking about shared learning for instance but we're not paying attention to the disconnection we need time to digest we need time it's like yeah. food nicole You're eating, 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 okay, together, and then there's no break. When do you digest? And when I say digestion, it's all about taking the nutrition out of that, taking what really suits you, what's going to give you that energy to act in a certain way, to behave, to communicate, to have an impact, take a great decision. And the whole nice part of this is what I call the holistic success. Again, all our lives... Success is all about tangibles, and I'm talking about myself even. You know, I kind of, you know, started as a professor, ticking boxes. Oh, yes, I want to be an associate professor in four years. I'm going to, you know, publish. I'm going to work hard. And, you know, just ticking boxes. Yes, I became an associate professor. Work on your full professorship. And so on. You get the title. You get the position. But there's something out there that is still a void. And this is what Knowledge Mindfulness is trying to wrap on. That success is both tangible, which it comes with the position and title and money, which we need in our lives also, but not to forget the intangibles. The sense of growth, the sense of development, that fulfillment that you're doing good, you're helping others. That's a great, oh my God, I can't even tell you. That fulfillment you, you're going to feel out there when you really have that. And it comes from recognizing the totality of your knowledge, recognizing those core values that you want to tap into. And that's what makes that anchor. For all of us in the middle of this chaos that we're talking about so yes this is the three C's loop in a nutshell you know a book that took me two years to write I'm trying to explain in like two seconds but I hope it's <laughs> it
0: is clearer let's say I think it is it's um so I appreciate that you call it the flow because you know my immediate reaction would be to say it's about balance but it really isn't it really is about this flow through all the the different parts and so uh, what Layla just said is true her book has so much great stuff in it even about how to apply you know knowledge mindfulness and so definitely go read the book in addition to this conversation because there's a lot that's being said but there's also a lot more that can be said so I hope you'll check it out Um, and then I I was hearing what you're saying too about so I'm taking it in the shared learning, the collaboration, and yes, you know our company does advocate for that. But what you said is so important, and I hope people really hear that. From you know if you're if you're an L and D person, the one the one nugget that I'm just honing in on is the fact that people need time, right? They they do need time to sit and think about their values and how these things align or don't align. You don't want people to just connect and take the idea that they heard all the time, right? Easily influenced or easily swayed. That's not good either. Yes, so you have to find that anchor, as you said. <laughs> yes, yes.
1: And I think, um, I think what I wanted also to say is that our knowledge is not set in stone. And that's the big, big part that we were never taught. So what I mean by that is there is a big part in our learnings that needs to be reconfigured all the time. And that's the part that keeps changing. And that's why, in the book, I talk about knowledge as a living system. I look at knowledge as a living system because if you do look at knowledge as a living system, you realize something. It needs to grow. It's an open system that takes in and gives back. So that's where the loop also happens. That's where we miss always that it's a one-way street. It's not. That loop is so important because knowledge needs to grow, needs to refresh. It's more like a river than a pond that's stagnant. So if you think about it that way, you will see that a big part of our learnings, this is where it needs to adapt with the changes that's going on in the world. And this is where the interplay happens between the internal, the self-knowledge, and what's going on in the context out there. And this is where the easiness of adaptation comes for some people and some people not. Why? Because it's so hard for them. They never react. You know, how many times we hear, oh, this is the way I am. Or, oh, this is how, you know. And this
0: is. This is how we've always done it. Right?
1: Yes. And it worked for us. Why? Why should I change? And this is where we are missing the big, big point. Sometimes that's why even in the third C, I say capitalize yet keep acting. And what do I mean by that? Capitalize means when you gain all that knowledge, when you are working on evolving your knowledge maturity, you don't keep it, you put it out there. You capitalize, create value out of it, not only for you, and that's the big difference. You create value for you, for others, and taking in consideration the consequences of your decisions. And that's where we kind of miss the point. It takes us out of that individual self-centered look to something that is more expanded. Because again, when you zoom out, you will humbly realize that you are just part of a bigger network. And that is the really great, great learnings that I have. To be honest, I have learned so much from this book. Personally, I've learned so much. So thinking about knowledge as a living system in that way just helped me so, so much. I question now everything that's going on in my life. For instance, if let's say I get into an argument with someone, before I would react, oh, why is she this, why is he that? Now, it's not like that at all. It's like, I don't know how to explain it. I'm so calm, I'm so composed, because now, for me, conflict is cyclical. It's not pointing fingers. Is There's no cause and effect. It's not, oh, me or her started. No. It's cyclical because it does not matter who started it. It's a, it's a cyclical effect for both parties. And this is what's so interesting about this. Because with self-knowledge comes a lot, a lot, a lot about this identity identifying yourself with humanity, not with a position or a title. I have left the university with the title of a full professor, Nicole, and I opted out because I just feel that the title does not give me the value, it's the opposite. You give the position the value, you give everywhere you go the value, and when you have kind of that detachment with that tangible title, position, it makes it so easy to identify with people as human beings. You kind of connect with your heart, with your soul, and that makes so much that we feeling that we really need out there right now. And that's what also Knowledge Mindfulness advocates for, is really kind of looking at yourself as a human being, look at others as human beings, and taking that kindness, care, all those universal human values to connect with the other. And that's where the knowledge sharing becomes wow, because the bandwidth kind of gets so wide where what you're sharing is not only, you know, just on the surface of, you know, I'm sharing with you something I know right now. It's just a piece of information. No. No. I'm sharing something so much more valuable to me because knowledge is so intertwined with my emotions, with my values. So uh, knowledge is part of me. It's part of who you are, right? So when you share it with full-heartedly, means we kind of connected it as human beings. And that's what you want to see in organizations. You want to see yes. that kind of flow of knowledge we're talking about. not on the surface level which is why I'm saying not on the surface because that's short lived it's going to be Mm -hmm. disconnected very quickly and the aim in knowledge mindfulness is always to think also of the uh, long term consequence long term effect, long term success and not only short term and this is what we aim for short term and long term
0: that sounds like it would solve a lot of the problems we have in our world today. Right? <laughs> yes, but nobody's paying attention to go inwards, Nicole.
1: That's the problem, right?
0: I would agree, it's, and it's also much easier to do things in the short term because you get the instant gratification. Right, short-lived. It's very. Yeah. It's, short-lived. it's short-lived.
1: That's the thing. That's the thing, and I think the problem in today's world, what I see, is there's a lot of distractions around. And that's where the problem happens. But knowledge, mindfulness, in a way, when it advocates for self-knowledge, it's also advocating for your intention. And that purpose, that intention, that creativity works like magnet, even to help you focus on the right things out there, because there's so many, no- there's so much noise, there's so everyone is trying to grab your attention, right? So what do you do? Again, take responsibility and not sit there passively and say, Oh, what can I do? You know, there's a lot of people, let's say they'll bunch on Netflix, like for like I don't know how many hours. I was one of them for a while, by the way. I would, you know, uh, I don't know what, you could do this. It's all distractions. At the end, you think, Really? Did this really, really give me what I needed? And that's the big question. These are the big questions we need to probe. We need to really get into ourselves because that's what's gonna make you fulfilled. That's what's gonna make you happy long-term, not the short, like we said, it's that short
0: <laughs> satisfaction that we have all the time. It's a very, to me, it's a very uh, hopeful and wonderful message, I think, that we can be responsible we can be more connected, and we can do something about it, right? It's it's a beautiful message, I think.
1: I don't see it only as a message, I really see it as reality, Nicole. I've lived it, and I'm living it every day, and I tell you, I really really feel the difference and not only me by the way (laughs) you know my husband my kids my parents they're all telling me that oh my god you're different and I laugh because I say okay maybe that's the knowledge mindfulness effect but it's truly truly is because I'll tell you I never 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 went inwards like I don't know why again maybe some of the psychological baggages we kind of you know, take into this world. Nobody taught us how to look into that. Again, it's taking control, you're being responsible of whatever you're feeling. Why am I reacting this way? Why am I snapping? What, what made me angry today? So instead of always pointing to the other, I'm taking responsibility and asking myself first, why did I react that way? Not why did he say that or why did, and I think that's the difference. Starting with yourself and starting with asking yourself the questions of why this and why that and really digging deep would really, I don't know, but it it kind of shifts uh, your, not perspective, but it's like you have now a double lens. Inward and outward and that double lens is not only that it's double lens It's also not tainted as much because you know with our psychological baggage when I say that What I mean is a lot of those learnings traumas whatever happened in our lives in a way it taints our View of the world You know, so I always you know think about like a metaphorically is like I'm wearing my glasses and there's like the shaded tinted color that's coming, let's say, out of a breath or out of whatever. Think about it, whatever. But it's making me so see the world a bit yellowish. It's not so clear. And I think this is reality. I think this is the world, but it's not. You know, with time you realize, oh my god, I need to clean this. And when I say clean, that's the self-knowledge. That's where when you surface that, when you kind of connect with your core values, you see clearer. You really see the world in a different way. I I always read about, oh, being non-judgmental or being objective. As much as we'd love to do that, but we can't do that to the extent that they're talking it's like a scientist who works in a lab and he wants to kind of you know we're going to focus on this variable alone and this, you know like there's nothing else around but that's not life life is not a lab and we know because it's so complex and we need to understand that whatever we view the world whatever our story is it's just part of the whole picture we are part of only of this whole picture. That's why the interconnections and understanding the importance of the interconnections between us as human beings and this earth we're living on, the more we understand the strength of us being together in this world, the more we can have, it's like a scenario view, like you have the whole picture much clearer together because the pieces are put together. I see it that way and I see the relationships between us human beings on this earth really enhanced if our understandings enhance. And this is where knowledge mindfulness comes into place, the need to enhance the quality of our knowledge, our understanding of ourselves, of each other, of the world. Why? Because. All the decision-making, all the actions, all the impact we always talk about, you know what? It starts with your understanding. That's the foundation. Everyone wants to jump into action first. And that's where the problem happens. (laughs) Because you jump into action with that much of understanding, what will you get, right? And this is where I think our cushion of understanding has to be bigger and fluffier and flexible and 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 because then we'll respect each other's perspectives I would never say now oh why is Nicole saying that or you know that doesn't come why because I understand exactly why Nicole could be saying that or could be thinking that and I should respect that because it's your digestion of what's coming in, what's inside, and this is what's bringing that perspective into place in a decision you're making, in a problem you're solving. And being open to that makes you so much humbler. As much as you know, you will understand you don't know the whole picture. Because the whole picture doesn't, no, not one person owns it. It's all these pieces put together that we need to come together. To put it out there together,
0: (laughs) and it sounds like you are comfortable with that now, and not fearful of the fact that you don't have all the pieces. No,
1: I'm very, very. You know, that's the. I really. That's the nicest thing about this. Like I told you, it's being confident in who you are, what do you bring to the table, but being so humble in knowing what is your part in this whole story, and that too, the confidence and the humbleness come together. They're not opposites. And that's the thing. It's shrinking your ego in a way, in places, in times where it doesn't serve you well. You know, it does not serve us well when it's <laughs> that huge and that big. You know how I see it? I see it like it's blocking not only what we can see, what we can receive, what we can give. It just blocks everything blocks the air, it blocks everything. And we're saying we're looking at knowledge as a living system. So it needs to be nourished, needs that, you know, that air, that light to come in and to come out. Because the whole purpose when we see we lead with knowledge mindfulness, because you radiate that, you're not imposing on anyone, you're just you know, your presence, your energy, you're kind of inviting people into that. And this is why it's all about leadership, because it's more about involving than informing. It's more about nudging, encouraging. And this is where people will give you their hearts out. They'll be loyal. They want to work with you. They want to stay with you, not because of only money and you know tangible incentives. And this is where when we talk about internal motivation, this is internal motivation. The internal motivation means it's coming from there. it's coming from your heart, soul. You want to be part of the story because you believe in the story. and and that's good leadership to make people believe in that story because you have good intention not only for yourself, for also the people around you. You're creating a culture that nurtures every single person there to grow and develop. And if you have that intention to them, You will see your organizations grow, you see the impact, you see a lot of things I think. And I'm not talking that abstractly also, I think the book shows you a lot of the tactics, a lot of the methods that you can use, but they're only tactics and methods. Again, I'm not imposing that on anyone because I know these tactics could change tomorrow, but I'm putting them as examples that, you know, just take them as examples. Choose whatever you feel that works with you, whatever, but you need to test it, and that's part of the message, experiment with this, because you will never know if it works for you or not. So test it, but test it on a small scale. I also talk about piloting, so whatever you want to test, because again, there's a fear, a fear of failure. You know, we have this big talk about fear of failure, you know, but again, what is failure? failure is lessons learned right and it's easy said than done but if the failure comes on a smaller scale and that's why I'm saying it's being uh, conscious about the risks you're taking okay and what is okay with you inside so let's say you can risk this much so let me test it experiment it on kind of this much because I can take that risk And if it works, great, then implement it on a larger scale, but pilot it first, and then learn from it, and that's how it goes. So there's a lot of those tactics in the book, Nicole, and I hope, I hope it will help someone somehow, somewhere. And that's kind of, you know, what we all aim for, is helping each other one way or another, even in the smallest way possible. I think that's what brings that fulfillment for me that I am doing good in this world because that also, the feedback or the loop is going to give you so much good in that fulfillment that you're helping people out there.
0: I am sure it will help many people, Layla. And if you are listening, um, I think this is just a good nudge to remember that. you know Share your thoughts about what you've heard today. Share your thoughts about Layla's book if you get a chance to pick it up. So she can hear from your perspective, you know, how you sort of taken in this idea of knowledge mindfulness and we can continue to grow that knowledge together and internally. Um, Layla, there's so much more we can say, but for the sake of time, I'm gonna bring us to a close. I think that was a really good place to land thinking about, you know, who we can be as leaders and how we can start to implement these tactics and strategies in our lives. So if people want to learn more about your work where can they find you?
1: I think for now you can find me on LinkedIn you can find me on my website leilamaroof.com and I'm hoping to build on that slowly but surely but I think these are the two places right now that you can find me there and there's a podcast that I started also it's called the knowledge mindfulness porch and I like the word porch because it's that tranquil place that you know it's open, it's safe, anyone can come in. So this is also a, a bit of, like you're saying, the, the place where people can maybe pick something and they can learn something from.
0: Yes. So the links to all of those will be in the show notes. So if you're listening, uh, you can go on Podbean and find the notes for the episode. You can find them in our community as well. And just to reiterate, the book is called Knowledge Mindfulness, the Interconnections that Help Leaders Transform Their Business and Life. And the podcast is the Knowledge Mindfulness Porch, all wonderful tools for us to use from Layla Maruf here with us today. So if it's okay with you, Layla, there's a quote in the book that I just, I just really loved. I would love to leave us off with it today. Would that feel right with you? Of course. Okay. So... um, In in Knowledge Mindfulness, uh, Leila writes, knowledge mindfulness isn't just about getting to the pinnacle faster. Rather, it's about making sure you're climbing the right mountain and that you aren't climbing alone. It's by coming together that we will survive and thrive, reaching the heights to which we aspire and still knowing who we are and what matters when we reach the top. So, I'm hoping that for all of us.
1: Let's hope that for all of us, Nicole, for all of us.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Leila. It was truly a pleasure. I always learn so much when I talk to you and I'm very grateful that you were here to share with me and with our audience. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me,
1: Nicole. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it.
0: That was quite an episode, wasn't it, lab mates? I don't know about you, but it made me feel ready to take on big challenges. There was so much in that episode, so I'm going to try to distill it down to key takeaways that help us frame our practice of social learning. It's all about evolving your knowledge maturity by practicing intentional knowledge mindfulness. How will you create, yet keep renewing? Connect, yet keep disconnecting? And capitalize, yet keep acting? And how will you lead others to do the same? Now, let's put what we've learned into action with an experiment. You can download the full brief in the show notes or the social learning lab community on Facebook, practice knowledge, mindfulness by creating a knowledge map and brainstorming ways to activate the integrated three C's. And of course, we encourage you to share your results in the social learning lab community on Facebook to get feedback and insights from peers and do a little of that connecting that Leila advocated for. Well, Thanks for joining us. And please, if you enjoyed the episode, give us a review, like, subscribe, and share it so we can continue to build a community of social learning enthusiasts. Until next time, keep making learning that matters.